You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. Week one of college football has come and gone. We can now officially say football is back. And Texas is not. No, <laughs> they are not. <laughs> we can start there. Um, so back-to-back years now, Texas has wanted to be back so very badly in the preseason. And then week one, despite so very many things working against them, Maryland just punches a huge, huge hole right through that plan. It's It was one of those games where it looked like Texas just couldn't find their footing right away. And as the game went on, you you just kept expecting, okay, they're finally going to figure it out. They're finally going to put it together. And it, Maryland just kept making plays. Kasim Hill was actually really good, but Jay Sean, I can't, Jay Sean Jones, that's his last name, was incredible. Just like the definition of a playmaker throughout that uh, first half. Yeah, what a college debut that is. Uh, yeah. Sean Jones threw four, ran four, and caught a touchdown pass. Um, and yeah. In Maryland's obviously at a talent disadvantage, and the weather did play a factor in not allowing to Texas to find its literal footing. But this is just pretty pretty inexcusable if you're Texas um, losing the interim head coach Matt Canada. Never, yeah. uh, never a good thing. That's the worst look <laughs> of it all. Like if you if you break everything down, it's like. Ed Ogeron didn't even want this guy running his offense, let alone his team. And he beats Tom Herman with significantly less talent. Yeah, also not really a good look for Tom Herman, like coaching Wiz. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's he's really got his work cut out for him to get back to that point. Even when he was back at Houston, we kind of talked about, all right, he's good at getting his team up for these big games against teams where they might be a little overmatched. We even saw that last year with how well Texas played the likes of USC, Oklahoma, um, but then would struggle against, like now, the likes of teams like Maryland. Um, So, I mean, not much has changed for him in that regard. You would like to think Texas might turn it around, but, I mean, at this point, I feel like we're just giving them far too much credit until they actually prove that they can do it on the field. Yeah, and I don't – think you can really say they need to wait for the talent to get there because I think they have it. I don't know what it is that needs to click. I don't know if it's quarterback play because Ellinger wasn't great, but he certainly wasn't, you know, like Shea Patterson bad. Yeah, he's he's still a bit of a a gunslinger to a fault um, in terms of not always the best decision making, but Mm -hmm. again, this is not a Maryland team loaded with studs. Should have been not like a blood or anything, but fairly straightforward work, even playing de facto road game. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to spin many positives out of this one from a Texas perspective. Yeah, I have nothing positive for the Longhorns <laughs> other than they don't have to ever play Maryland again if they don't want to. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's tough for me. Just like last year, it's like, oh, maybe Maryland won't suck this year. So that's not great. Mm-hmm. But we'll uh, we'll see. the uh, The actual well, one of the two big games from Saturday, um, Notre Dame, Michigan. Um, I mean, it it finished up just a, a one touchdown margin for Notre Dame, but 
I, I really don't think it ever truly felt that close. There was a little bit of sweating towards the end, Michigan getting the ball back. Like, not that their offense had a chance, but it's, I've seen Notre Dame play so many games where they seemingly have it in the bag and then the team scores a couple of late touchdowns and all of a sudden they're in overtime. But, I mean, the defense, how damn good is the defense? That it, what they did on Saturday was incredible. And before we go on and on about the defense, I think Brandon Wimbush, what he showed in the first half is better than any game he has played as a Notre Dame quarterback. Like, plain and simple. He was better, I think, in that half than Deshaun Kaiser's best game. Yeah, and I mean, his numbers won't blow anybody off the page, but he always seemed to be in control of the game. Um, And that's not always something you could say last year, especially going up against a defense as good as Michigan, right off the bat, led them on a touchdown drive um, that really set the tone made Michigan's defense look very weak. There was just no resistance offered. And I think that gave him a good amount of confidence to continue the game because as we've said, he has lost so much from his supporting cast from last year to the NFL. It'd be easy for someone in his position to be a little unsure of himself, not sure where the help's going to come from. Uh, Maybe put a little too much pressure on himself, try to do everything himself. But I mean, outside of the, the one turnover really, I mean, pretty pretty clean game by his standards. Yeah, and the offensive line was decent, which was nice. It, I mean, obviously, Michigan's got one of the one of the better pass rushes in the country, but they they did well enough to give him pockets to throw. And and like you said, he looked incredibly poised throughout the game. No moment seemed too big for him, which is leaps and bounds better than he was last year. The problem. I see right now with Notre Dame is we kind of hit on it, but there's no standout playmaker in the receiving core. And at least against Michigan, there was no run game. Jafar Armstrong had two touchdowns, but they were both inside like 10 or 15 yards and they were Ian book handoffs. So I don't know if that is Michigan playing towards a pass or what the deal was. Yeah. And Maybe those questions will be answered a little more when they go up against, you know, the the Ball States and Vanderbilts of the world who aren't quite at the level of Michigan's defense. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they won't, but I would expect someone will at least assert themselves um, as the season goes on. Guys get more experience with those first team reps. Um, but yeah, not not really any of that in game one against Michigan on the flip side. I mean, exactly what we said with with Shea Patterson. Um, the numbers do look a little better on paper than Wimbush's, but yep. the like the tweet I sent you from Pat Forty just right off the bat, that Michigan did everything except opening it up, five handoffs and a bubble screen, and Notre Dame's defense was just controlling everything. And if you have a guy as talented as Shea Patterson purports to be, I don't know why you don't give him a little more opportunity to show that unless they were really worried about how good Notre Dame's defense was. The biggest thing moving forward is going to be the battle between Jim Harbaugh trying to force his offense on Shea Patterson and Shea Patterson's natural ability to play because 
he wasn't bad when he was in a moving pocket or rolling out on the run and, and throwing the ball. He didn't necessarily run the ball well, but on the move, he threw the ball better than expected, or I guess as advertised. But Harbaugh continues to try and force this pro-style under center eye formation, pounding run, and then occasionally, you know, hey, we'll, we'll run, uh, you know, a spread type play. Yeah, he's always going to be run first, like no matter who his quarterback is, it seems like. And right. with most Michigan teams he's had, you can kind of get away with it. Even this one, Higdon is a hell of a back. But, I mean, the whole the whole point of them recruiting Shea Patterson to come from Ole Miss, come to Michigan, is to kind of transform the quarterback position that they had had. Um, the, the sort of guys they had had back there who were more game managers than guys who were actually going to go out and be like huge difference makers or stars. And I mean, right. that, like you said, it's going to be the, the internal struggle that he's going to have to deal with. But yeah, one game, uh, not so great. And again, a lot of credit needs to go to Notre Dame's defense for their hand in that too. Yeah. The front, Seven, really the front three for Notre Dame were unbelievably disruptive all night. Michigan's offensive line is going to be a huge question mark throughout the season. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of hard figuring out where, I mean, like, again, it is only one game, but where mm-hmm. Michigan kind of stacks up in the rest of the Big Ten. The Big Ten East as a whole really didn't look that strong uh, Michigan State struggled against Utah State Penn State struggled against Appalachian State um, so I mean nobody really had that great of a showing except for Ohio State so maybe that's something to take solace in if you're Michigan but yeah this uh so pretty pretty flat looking performance uh, at least offensively for sure Definitely not um, what, what was advertised with Shea Patterson, at least. No, certainly not. Um, the lower scoring game, although not as surprising, um, Auburn-Washington. Washington basically playing a road game, coming up just short. A lot of missed opportunities in the red zone, but Auburn ends up taking it 21-16. Huge blow to the Pac-12, um, but a huge boost for Jared Stidham in that Auburn offense. Yeah, they, they played well against a really good defense. That is probably the biggest takeaway, and they did it without much of a run game. Cam Martin had 80 yards, but it wasn't anything game-breaking or game-changing. It was really Stidham they went to time and time again when they needed a big play, and, and he was able to come through. The defense played really well, I thought. Obviously, if you can hold a good offense like Washington – to four scores and six red zone appearances, three of those being field goals, you're doing something right. But at the end of the day, this game was more lost by Washington than won by Auburn, I think. Yeah, I mean, there there were a lot of yards gained. There just weren't points put on the board once they got into the red zone. I mean, Jake Brown still threw for just under 300 yards. Washington did start very slowly offensively, but eventually it seemed like they kind of got over the jitters, figured it out a little bit, and started moving the ball pretty well against Auburn. But mm-hmm. once the field kind of tightened, they got closer to the goal line. That's when just repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot did not really help matters much. Um, 
especially defense like Auburn can't leave points on the table. Um, and I mean, that's a learning experience. Washington will basically have to run the table now. Very possible that they do. Um, Cause I yeah. think they are clearly the most talented team in the pac 12, but I mean, it's, it's certainly not going to be an easy task. Um, you think Stanford in particular is going to mount a significant challenge, but big missed opportunity for them, uh, for Auburn, really gives themselves um, a safety net of sorts if they do stumble somewhere along the line, um, because this is pretty much as good a win as, as anyone in the country has right now. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and not to be overlooked, Auburn's kicker missed two field goals as well, so this could have easily been, you know, double-digit game, but... I mean, that, that's the story of it. Their defense played well. Jarrett Stidham proved that he is the best quarterback in the SEC and uh, that Auburn can rely on him to make the big plays, which is essentially what Gus Malzahn had been missing for the past couple of years since Nick Marshall, maybe. I don't even know if you can consider yeah. him really the reliable playmaker, but I guess before that would have to be Cam, which was Gene Chizik. He was, he was pretty good at football, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Gene Chizik won a natty. People forget that. They do. Um, yeah, but SEC rules again, basically. Um, and kind of kind of leading into the next game, um, LSU. Huge, huge statements were made by the winning teams in the, the sort of standalone games. Uh, Sunday night, it was LSU. Lot of question marks. Um, the offensive line was really getting torn apart um, from the beginning, but I mean, not really much to say other than this was an utter destruction of Miami. Coach O had the boys ready to play. I don't know what it was. Nick Brosette is a dude in that backfield. He obviously established himself as the go-to guy. He spent time backing up both Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette. So he's learned from two pretty good running backs and now gets the chance to show up, show what he's got. And he definitely did that in spades. But Joe Burrow, his numbers weren't great, but he is significantly better than a quarterback LSU has had in a long while. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think that's the Joe Burrow. Very, very good performance considering the circumstances um, going up against turnover chain defense returning most of its back seven um, you add Florida State defense and Florida State's defense actually looked pretty good much like Miami Florida State kept giving Virginia Tech short fields and the defense kept making plays which we haven't really seen in the past couple of seasons from the Seminoles but good God for an offensive minded coach like Willie Taggart that offense was brutally bad and some of the play calling was just horrendous the the full house backfield wildcat on a third and goal following an 85 yard run by cam Akers was one of the worst decisions i've seen in a long time yeah they they just kind of outthought themselves at certain points and Again, like Miami, there's no shortage of athletes on Florida State's roster, which is always going to lend itself to pretty solid defensive play. But, I mean, out of any 
ranked or so-called top team in the country, they looked the most like it was their very first game of the season. It was just such a sloppy yeah. game. Um, I mean, just handing handing gifts on a platter to Virginia Tech at every turn. Um, and like you said, right when it seemed like they might have a glimmer of hope, um, they they just give the ball right back to to Virginia Tech deep in hokey territory. And yeah, we were talking about kind of the the reaction to Willie Taggart's first game at Florida State. It's probably going to be strong either way. They're very positive or very negative. We are on the very negative end of the spectrum because this did about not look... About as bad as it could get. I mean, yeah, this did not look like a well-coached or just coached at all football yeah. team. This... This is kind of what you expect, like people expect out of Coach O. Just team that like looks ready to play because Florida State was hype. The sideline was going nuts. I thought they were going to get a penalty before the game. And then they just get punched in the mouth and then they just sat down and took it the rest of the game outside of that 85 yard run. But it's, I mean, that was, it was a 17 to three game at that point. There was a very real chance that we had a game on our hands and then. Just Virginia Tech's defense buckled in and, and knocked them out. Yeah, and you end the game with the entire opposing team and their fans tomahawk shopping you yeah. in your stadium. That's about as bad a visual as you can you can get. So, I mean, this is this is a a burn the tape game for Florida State. This was pretty pretty dang brutal um, all around. I mean, not, not much else to say other than that. There's really, yeah, there's really nothing else other than it can't get worse. <laughs> like, Francois, like, I feel Probably. bad for DeAndre Francois because he was so excited to get back. And and after that injury, you know, some people question whether he ever would be able to get back. And he just played so poorly. He looks so rusty. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said last week, that was a big question mark to me, quarterback play. For Florida State, Josh Jackson, for his part, didn't make mistakes. And, I mean, the the defense took care of the rest. He took advantage of short fields when they were given to him. Finished up with two touchdowns. But, yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech is is very much a threat to win the ACC. They were my pick. I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to throw leave it yeah. out there. They were my pick. Um, the other- may forget them. <laughs> People probably do forget that. It was a long time ago. Um, the, the last thing story from week one, Bama still going with the two-quarterback system. Tua is absurd, uh, for lack of a better word. Just looks like He's probably, the, looked probably the best quarterback in college football against Louisville. He was mm-hmm. pretty dang dominant. Um, Hurts off the bench. Accounted for 79 yards of his own. Saban, his uh, his feather his feathers were a bit ruffled uh, post game when he was asked about it. So we we have technically no more clarity than we did preseason. But I mean, it seems pretty obvious that Tua is the the better quarterback for this team. Yeah, it's I mean, and we in that first quarter we really saw what Tua can bring to the table. Seemingly broken play. He's running legitimately in circles and just throws the ball up to a wide open receiver for a touchdown. Like just an unreal play in that 
Nick Saban was probably like, what the fuck did I get myself into as the yeah. ball? Because he sees him wind up to throw, and then he catches it. And then, obviously, Nick Saban doesn't smile, but he, on the inside, is like, thank God. It's it's a, it's a kind of like Harbaugh with Shea Patterson. It's such a contrasting style of how Nick Saban wants to play, but Saban will actually let Tua go out and play his own game. Meanwhile... Both coaches want a guy like Jalen Hurts who will just run the ball a little bit, uh, you know, protect it. They won't turn it over. They'll run your offense, do everything they can. And it's, you know, it, it's very conflicting, I think, for Saban. And that's part of the reason why he doesn't want to name two of the outright starter, even though everybody knows he is because the offense just has that much more upside with him. But, I mean, he does come with the risk of turnovers. We saw on a scramble that he he fumbled the ground cause of fumble, but he has he's certainly more prone to turnovers than uh, Jalen Hurts is in the very small sample size we have of him. Yeah, I mean, and even that play you described, that was fairly lucky um, that it ended up the yeah. way he did. Generally speaking, just throwing the ball up won't always work out that well, so he's a little more um, reckless, if you will. Yeah. But there's no denying the talent, um, not to disparage Jalen Hurts in the slightest, who is a very, very good quarterback. Track record speaks for itself. Um, I mean, he is one of the best quarterbacks that Saban has ever had at Alabama, and Tua is just on an additional level from that. Um, so it's I'm a huge Jalen Hurts guy. I would be very happy to have him on my favorite college football team, which changes by the week. But I would, if I were a coach, I'd be very happy to have him in my program. Yeah, it's I mean, it's not a not a bad time to be Nick Saban, right? Not not that it really ever is in football season. Um, yeah, so week one in the books, not. Uh, not a lot of intrigue for week two right now. That will surely change once the games are playing. We've got two ranked matchups, um, both conference power five games. We've got Georgia, um, who didn't really face much resistance from the fighting governors of Austin P um, going to South Carolina. Stunning. Yeah. Who, who could have seen that coming? The Ohio um, Valley power. Who are, who are you liking, uh, Georgia at South Carolina? You got to go Georgia. I think South Carolina's a good team. I think they'll be in the rankings throughout the season, and I think uh, you know this will be a good chance for them to show what kind of talent they've got. We talked about Debo Samuel in our preview. He's an unbelievably talented player. Defense, per usual, under Will Muschamp is going to be good but they just don't have enough offensive firepower to beat out this Georgia team. And with seemingly another team with two, a two-headed beast at quarterback with Jake Fromm, who also doesn't really turn the ball over, and Justin Fields, this I mean, this team is going to be very tough to beat. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the SEC East is improved significantly but mm -hmm. i i do feel like every season we we have rotating like fringe top 25 teams um in the east outside of you know georgia like florida is somehow 25th this week um got south carolina 24 being at home helps 
Yeah. But Georgia is an absolute monster. Like, if Alabama didn't exist, especially in the same conference, we would be probably talking about this Georgia roster with the same just awestruck tones. And I mean, the the big question mark coming into the year is kind of who would really take the reins um, of the run game. Not really going to get that answer against Austin P. He's kind of the three-headed monster, Cook, Swift, and Holyfield. But I mean, just a great law firm name, by the way. (laughs) Like all time. Yeah, Um, just got that like 8.6 yards per carry as a team, which is always pretty good. Um, But yeah, I I think that's it's going to be way too much uh, for South Carolina on top of what Georgia can already throw at you that we know very well. Um, so, yeah, you got to go with the dogs too. Yeah, I mean, again, this will be a fun one because I don't think a lot of people are expecting or know a lot about South Carolina, so it'll be a good game to kind of get under your belt for when they play Florida later in the season and, you know, whatever other crossover game they will have in the West because the West is always pretty good. We were promised more scoring this year from South Carolina through one game against uh, the former baseball national champions, Coastal Carolina. That shown through, but I mean, Georgia is a different animal. This will be a real test to see how much this Will Muschamp offense has actually improved. Um, I mean, obviously, They'll go a, a long way in, in South Carolina asserting themselves nationally or not. So lot lots to look forward to here. You know, it'll be an unbelievably uh, raucous environment there. Um, the other game, USC, Stanford. Um, USC, new quarterback JT Daniels had a uh, – Pretty solid, if unspectacular, debut against UNLV. Stanford took down San Diego State. Bryce Love had a very forgettable game, um, but I'm sure he will get up a little more uh, for this big opponent on a big stage. Who are you liking in this one? Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't get to see too much of the USC game, but from all accounts, JT Daniels performed well. He got better as the game went on and kind of showed what this offense was capable of. The biggest problem is they gave up 300-plus yards on the ground to UNLV. You're going up against the single best player in college football who happens to be a running back. Does not bode well for teams. I'm going Stanford. Mix in the fact that K.J. Costello was inconsistent but good when he was on, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside could be one of the best playmakers at receiver in the country this year. So I think Stanford will win this game, and I think they'll do it by double digits. Putting the uh, the running back in running rebels. That's yes. that's gonna be my spin zone for that. Um, so I took I took USC for this one. Um, one of my two upsets of the week, along with the uh, Fighting Herms of Arizona State hosting the the Spartans. That, that was that was with my heart rather than my head, but love to see it. Um, especially if week-to-week <laughs> momentum's a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, Stanford is is always so fundamentally sound, um, and they do have 
more talent at the skill positions than I mean they they historically do in in years not carried by Toby Gerhardt. Um, but right. I think USC is is still going to be a different animal. JT Daniels got that college debut, got the nervousness out of the way, and now he's really going to buckle down and show why he is so highly regarded. Um, I mean, a, a pedestrian game for him in week one still saw him throw for almost 300 yards. Granted, against UNLV, they're not going to really terrify any of college football elite, but I mean, I think this is going to be his coming out game, and even though it's on the road, I like the, the Trojans to, to pull off the mini upset. Look at us disagreeing again. Totally. Um, yeah, any other games you want to highlight week two? Not, not really. There's maybe, I mean, against Western Michigan, there are theories out there that say that the loser of these big games will come back and just throttle the weaker opponent the next week. That might be something to look for. But other than that, it was it was a real good week one for me. I was very, very happy with the results. Yeah. Um, Outside of Florida Atlantic, obviously. Who, I guess before we wrap up, who were you uh, most impressed by in week one that we haven't talked LSU. about so far? Uh, with, that we haven't talked about yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. Kyler Murray was incredible. That offense is I, – I think Oklahoma is better this year than they were last year. That means they are better without the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, who I and the number one pick, who I think was incredible. I think this team is better than that team. Their defense is loaded. The offense has so many weapons. Rodney Anderson carried the ball five times and rushed for 100 yards. Kyler Murray threw it 11 times for over 200 yards. Hollywood Brown is lives up to the name. I mean, he is so much fun to watch on on the outside. It, it's crazy how much talent this team has. Yeah, I mean, I got to go uh, Will Greer, who – Thank you for picking up my pre- slack. The preseason hype and then some. Uh, From I mean, me. Tennessee obviously is going to have a down year. Still an SEC defense, tore to shreds, 429 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, West Virginia as a whole, the offense looks like an absolute wagon. Um, David Sills had himself a huge game as well. Um, I mean, it is early in the season, so this is the time that West Virginia really asserts itself as an offensive juggernaut, see Geno Smith. Yep. But it's, this feel, feels a little different with someone like Will Greer. Um, assuming he stays healthy, this this does feel like a uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting race in the Big 12. But that was a, it was a very impressive beatdown of Tennessee by West Virginia as a whole. Yeah, he, my guy, I picked him preseason to win the Heisman. People also might forget that. Just want to make sure I'm, I'm going to bring this up each and every week until he inevitably loses the Heisman. But Will Greer was fantastic in the second half more specifically. In the first half, he kind of looked like he was yeah. trying to force things. Like He knew the hype that he had, and he knew that he was supposed to be this big playmaker. And instead of going through his progressions and finding the open guy, because they have three I would say all conference, if not all American receivers on their team, they he didn't let them make the plays. He tried to do it himself, and that's where he ran into trouble. And then the second half, 
Holgerson got through to him and was just like, just go out there and play. Go through your progressions. You'll find the open guy, and then that'll make everything easier. And he was dominant. Understandable as he is an avid listener of yes. this podcast. <laughs> so he was yeah. – he heard all the praise being heaped on him, feeling that a little. But, yeah, it definitely seemed like it was coming a lot easier for him in the second half after they were uh, – I don't know, allowing Tennessee to, to kind of hang around a little bit in the first half. But yeah. Tennessee's quarterback looked pretty good. Guarantano or I call I was kept calling him Guantanamo the entire <laughs> afternoon uh, because of the mix of a few too many beers and just not being able to read the white <laughs> on that orange jersey. But Guarantano he looked pretty good. He he had a couple nice throws, stood in the pocket well, but Tennessee's still a little ways away. Yeah, and I mean, one of the, the many challenging first-year jobs um, in the SEC, Jeremy Pruitt will just have to buckle up and deal with because not really going to be many easy weeks. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the show for this week. Week two coming up, Indiana hosting Virginia. People forget Virginia got blown out by a 16th seed in uh, the NCAA tournament. They so did. Uh, we'll probably tweet about that at least one time. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Football is, is fully back. Um, the college football world, NFL, will join uh, this week. But college football is in full swing, and it feels extremely good. It's great. Gambling season is back, but more importantly, football season back. Well, we're coming to your city Well, we flew through Oklahoma, Alabama and through Georgia Trying to get on down to Florida for the game And then we loaded up our tailgate Joined a convoy on the freeway Headed north to see them Buckeyes in Notre Dame Victory for USC Bulldogs barking at the Wolverine Took our horns and give me that rocky top Smile, of course, so in Herb Street, got the low down.